Well, let, let me ask you this. How in the world do you make it through the difficulties of life? I mean, when, when your back is against the wall and you're in a tight spot... It may be personal or relational or even financial. It's those times when you wonder, am I going to make it through this time? When you really look at life and think, am I going to be able to get out of this one? Real life, real problems, real people. I hope you've discovered already that the church is not made up of perfect people because there's none of us in this room who are perfect. All around you are people just like you facing the same kind of problems that you're facing. We're not perfect. Some of us are forgiven. When life gets tough, we have some choices we can make. When I face a tough spot in life, I can choose to escape. And you know that's a very popular choice. When things get tough, I just get out. I'm out of here. Sometimes we don't physically escape, but we escape mentally, don't we? We say, I, I want to go back to the way it was. Let's just take our marriage back to our honeymoon. Yeah. Our kids, if they could just be little again. Yeah. Could life just get simpler again? But you know what? That never happens, does it? Yeah. You always have to go forward. Escape never works because you always come back to the place that you were in the beginning. Yeah. Or you could try denial. I'm not in a problem. There's no problem here. This is really no big deal. The problem with denial is you always get stuck right where you are. And if you're pretending there is no problem, obviously nobody's going to be able to help you solve it because you don't think there is one. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. You can choose not to escape. You can choose not to deny, but you can choose to endure. That is, go all the way through the problem. Not away from it at the beginning or stuck in it in the middle, but you just go right through the problem. Oh, there's two of you that want to go through it today. All right. I can't think of anyone better to learn this lesson from than this guy named Moses. When life started to really squeeze in on him, he found the strength to make it through. You find his story in the book of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus means a way out. Isn't that pretty cool? The word Exodus means a way out, God's way out. God's way through the problem is the story of the life of Moses. And if we're going to make it through the tough times in life, we've got to know how many things? Three things. Three things. The first thing that we need to know if we're going to make it through a tough time in life is that God has a plan. You've got to know that God has a plan. However tough it gets, however squeezed in you feel, I'm here to tell you folks, God has a plan. Now we all know what Moses faced at the Red Sea. But do you know how Moses got into that problem? We all know about Moses being there. The Red Sea is in front of him. Pharaoh and the army is behind him. There's mountains on both sides. But did you know what got him into that circumstance? Well, let's read about it. Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pihahirath, 
between Migdal and the sea, opposite Belzephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. Now, in spite of those crazy names of places there, I, I wonder, why couldn't they use some normal names in the Bible? Like Lavaca. Huh? But in spite of all those crazy names, let's go back to the very first of that verse. Look, look what got them into this circumstance. Look at who is saying this. God is. The Lord said to them, God told them to go there. Who got them into that tight spot? God did. God put them there. Why? Because God had a plan. All right? He knew that if he took them the easier route, it would get them into a war that they could not win. He knew that the Egyptian army was going to chase them no matter what. So God put them exactly where he wanted them so that two things could happen. So that he could get the credit for the deliverance and so that he could finally defeat the army of the Egyptians. God had a plan. Now let me update that. God has a plan. God has a plan. You and I often don't understand this plan. We haven't seen all the factors of the plan, but God has a plan. Here's the deal. You and I can ignore God's plan. We can pretend that God isn't there and not think about Him for years, but God still has a plan for your life. You can run in the exact opposite direction of God's plan for your life, but He still has a plan for your life. God's plan for us works, listen to this, God's plan for us works even in the difficulties of life. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. The promise for believers is that God uses everything for the working out of the goodness of His plan. Now that doesn't mean everything is good. Okay? That doesn't mean everything that happens to me is good. That doesn't mean everything that people do to me is good because it isn't. And it doesn't mean that everything I do to myself is good because sometimes I make sinful choices. But God in His greatness can even use those things and work them into His plan. It doesn't make those things good. It makes God good that He has the ability and is able to do that. That's how great his plan is. Now, if I'm going to get through the tough times, the first thing that I need to remember is that no matter what's happening, God has a plan. God is in control. No matter what I've done to myself, no matter how long I have ignored him, God has a plan. You know what I'm really saying to you? You need to learn to trust God. You've got to trust God. You have to trust that no matter what circumstance you're in, God has a plan. And His plan is perfect. All right? So, number one, know that God has a plan. Second thing you need to do, if, if you know, if you're going to make it through the tough times in life, is that you're going to have to face your greatest fear. <laughs> Point number two, you've got to face your greatest fear. That's not really the way I want to go through tough times. How about you? I personally want the easiest way to get through these tough times. God, give me a map. 
that shows me the easiest way through this tough time? Anybody with me? I think y'all need some energy drink. And so God gives us this map. And what I have found out in low these 50 plus years that I've lived is this map always takes us through the one place we don't want to go. Always. When Moses got it, God's map, it, it took him back to the one place he didn't want to go. You know, really, this makes sense. Because the one thing that you're not willing to face is most likely the one thing that is keeping you stuck right where you are. That's why you're stuck. Because you're not willing to face that one thing. What was Moses' one thing? Well, Moses was afraid of this man by the name of Pharaoh. You might remember the earlier story of Moses. Forty years before, Moses had killed an Egyptian that was beating one of the Hebrew slaves. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life in the palace being raised as, as Pharaoh's grandson. And one day he went out and he saw this Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, and so he killed the Egyptian. Pharaoh found out about it. Moses became afraid because Pharaoh was going to put him to death. And so he ran as far away as he could into the desert, and he stayed there for 40 years. 40 years afraid of facing Pharaoh. And then God comes to Moses on the backside of nowhere and speaks to him in a burning Bush and says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to set my people free. And guess who the first person is Moses has to face? <laughs> Pharaoh, Pharaoh. He faces him and the plagues come and God releases the people and, and they go towards the promised land. But on their way, guess who starts chasing Moses? So Pharaoh... Can you imagine how Moses must have felt? God, I told you this was going to happen. His greatest fear in verse 9 of chapter 14. The Egyptians, that is all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops. In fact, everything that Pharaoh could throw at Moses. Everything he had. He pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea. This went from bad to worse for Moses. Moses' greatest fear was coming true. Moses had gone back to Egypt and he had talked to Pharaoh and Moses was here standing by the Red Sea and once again he is facing the wrath of Pharaoh. Do you realize how much courage it took for Moses to face this? The one thing in life he dreaded, he now had to face. You, you don't see real courage in the movies. You don't see real courage in the achievement of sports stars. You see real courage in the person that the one thing they don't want to do is to pick up that telephone and try to reconcile a relationship because they know that's the right thing to do. And so they pick up the phone and they dial the number. And with halting words, they begin to put a relationship back together. Folks, do you realize the courage it takes to do that? Or the courage of a parent who's sitting in a doctor's office hearing about the illness of their child, one of their kids, the one thing they never wanted to have to face. And now they have to face it. And they face that fear with faith. 
and they tell the Lord, Lord, you're in control and whatever you choose to do, I'm trusting you. Folks, that's courage. That's courage. Moses stood before Pharaoh and he had the courage to face the one thing that he didn't want to face. Now you might ask yourself, where in the world did Moses find the courage to do that? Where do you get that kind of courage in life? Well, the New Testament tells us. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about this episode in Moses' life. Hebrews says, By faith Moses left Egypt. Not fearing the king's wrath, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Where did Moses find the courage to face Pharaoh? By redirecting his focus from Pharaoh to someone who is greater than Pharaoh? That was God. Where did Moses find that courage? He redirected his focus from what Pharaoh might do to him to what God could do through him. Where are you going to find the courage? Well, you've got to take your eyes off the problem and fix your eyes on the only one who is greater. Friend, did you know that God's love for you, God's grace for you, God's strength for you, God's peace to you is greater than any problem that you'll ever face? We need that greatness when we're in a tight spot, when life starts to close in on us. And when we face our greatest fear, understand God's with us. He's not only got our back, but He's also holding our hand. How are you going to make it through the tough times in life? Well, number one, know that God has a plan. Number two, face your greatest fear. And number three, you just need to take that next step of faith. Take the next step of faith. There's a very interesting exchange right here on the shores of the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is behind them. The Red Sea is in front of them. The people have something to say. And then Moses has something to say. And then God had something to say. When the people see the army of Pharaoh and the Red Sea, they become afraid. And they have something to say. It's found in verse 11. And it's a little whiny. It's a little, they needed a little cheese. Okay, here it is, verse 11. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out, out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? This is incredible. You know what they're wanting to do? They're wanting to go back, aren't they? They're wanting to go back to slavery. They thought that back in Egypt was where their hope was. Not through to the other side. They just wanted to go back. They're scared. They started to play the blame game. They blame Moses. Well, Moses, the man of faith, stood up in the middle of the crowd. And Moses, he had something to say. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? I'm sure he wanted to say something else to him too. He said, don't be afraid. Just stand still and see the salvation of God. But God had something to say. As spiritual and as good as Moses' account was, God had something to say. He said it in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? 
tell the people to move forward. (laughs) Don't tell them to stand there and watch. Tell them to move ahead. Tell them to go toward the Red Sea. Folks, let me tell you, it sounds really spiritual to say, let's just stand here and watch. Let's stand here and wait. But God all the while is saying, get moving. You take the next step of faith. And that's what it is. It is a step of faith. Really, this story is a, a story about faith. It's a story about people who instead of getting stuck on what they couldn't do or depending on what they could do alone, they took the next step in the direction of what only God could do. And that's what faith is. I'm, I'm here to tell you, my biggest mistake, and maybe it's your biggest mistake too, is when I face a tight spot or a tough time, the first question that I tend to ask myself is, what can I do? Because I like to solve problems. Huh? Come on. I like to fix things. Don't you? So I ask, what can I do to fix this? I'm so panicked. I'm so afraid. What can I do? What can I? But that's the wrong question to ask. We need to be asking the question, what can God do? Let's learn the lesson that Moses and the people learned that day. Here's what you do. You just do the one thing. I like that one thing, don't you? You just do the one thing. I can't do more than that. I can just do the one thing that God is telling me to do right now. The next thing. When they did that one thing, you know the story. You remember the pictures? You remember the pictures? You've seen the movie? There he is. Man, I know when we get to heaven, Moses is going to look just like that. You've seen the pictures of the movie, you know. I mean, Charlton Heston, he says, he says, he parts the sea. Really, it's a very simple story about what God does when we take the next step. What did God do? Look at verses 21 and 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. He made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided, so the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. When they took the next step of faith, God did the rest. (laughs) If there is one thing that I want you to remember from this look at Moses this morning, it's this. The Red Sea did not split until they took that next step of faith toward the Red Sea. You look at your life and say, man, I sure would like things to be better. I would love for my marriage to get better. What in the world do I do? Do I just sit back and wait for God to do something somehow? Or do I put my energy into it? How do I do it? How do I have faith so that my marriage can get better? Well, here's what you do. You do the next thing that God tells you to do. You take the next step in the direction that God is telling you to go. Not what you want to do, but what He wants you to do. And then that's when He does it. The Red Sea didn't split until they started moving toward the Red Sea. What we want is money in the bank, don't we? We want a written guarantee. We want the waters to divide while we're still sitting in the easy chair. 
And then we say, okay, I'll try that. It's not the way it works, folks. Faith is all about me taking the next step before the sea splits. Before my, I know my marriage is going to get better, I need to take that next step. Before I know the relationship is going to be restored. Before I know the habit can be broken. That's what faith is. That's what happened this day in this story. Jack, I'm just making up a name. Eh? Hasn't talked to his son in years. Five years earlier, they had had a big fight, and Jack stormed out of the house, said, I'll never be back. I hate you, Dad. I'll never see you again. But something has been burning inside of Jack for months, and he says, I've got to make a connection with my son. I've, 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 I've got to try to make this right. So what would you advise Jack to do? Well, Jack, you just need to pray about it a little longer. Jack, why don't you start an eight-week Bible study on how to reconcile relationships? Jack, why don't you take a month and write out all the words that you want to say to your son if you ever talk to him again? Is that what you tell him? Why don't you tell him this? Go for it. <laughs> Move ahead. Do something. Get moving. Now, that doesn't mean we stop praying as we move ahead, as we take that step of faith. I can guarantee you, when Moses was walking toward the Red Sea, he was praying. But you've got to get moving. You've got to do something. You've got to get up and go for it. So let me ask you, what is the next step for you? Real faith is not just sitting there in your pew waiting. Real faith is neither doing it by your own strength in God's name. Real faith is taking the next step in the direction only God can do. So what is the next step for you? Probably came to your mind the moment we began to talk about this. You know what you need to do. God's speaking it into your heart right now. That is the next step of faith you need to take. And it's different for every one of us. But there is a step of faith God wants you to take this morning. There's something that you need to do for the Lord today. There is a relationship that you need to make better. Maybe that relationship is between you and the Almighty. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't put it off. I've done two funerals this week. And let me tell you, life is too short and life is too uncertain to go through life with a broken relationship with God. Because when you die, the most important thing is your relationship with Him. So maybe you need to take that next step of faith today and initiate a relationship with God or restore your relationship with the Lord. It, it could be... A zillion different things. But I guarantee you there is something that the Lord wants you to do today in taking that next step of faith. Is it going to be scary? Yeah, because you're going to have to face that one thing you've dreaded facing. <laughs> but understand this, God has a plan. And His plan is perfect. His plan is good. Will you follow His plan? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless this part of our service when we invite people to come to you. Dear Lord, there may be someone in this room today who's never started a relationship with you. They've never been saved. Lord, I pray that today they would come and invite you into their heart, become a Christian, and begin that joyous journey of walking with the Lord.
Lord, for others who are here, maybe they're away from you. I pray that today they would come home and restore that relationship with you. And Lord, the rest of us who are here, there's one thing you're telling us to do today. There is a step of faith that each one of us needs to take today. And I pray that with your help, we would take that step of faith. I thank you for this amazing story that we have from the life of Moses. And dear Lord, may we draw from that today to face the difficulties in our own life. Lord, I give you this time and I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in and amongst us. And Lord, give people the freedom just to come to the altar and pray today. There are are so many things that we need to be praying for as a church. Uh, Many God things that we need done. There are so many lives in our church that need the grace and the power and the healing touch of God. Lord, may may we feel a burden today to come and pray for those people that, that they be touched by God. And dear Lord, for other issues in our life that we just need help with, may we come to you today and plead our cause with you and do the next thing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Angie's going to sing. Feel the freedom to come and pray today. Would you just step out and come? I'm going to ask that some of you come and pray for Don Yarbrough this morning, that he receive a touch from God. We need to be praying for Elaine Will the hospital in Tulsa. She needs a touch from God today. Church, would you come and pray for her? Bring your needs to the Lord. Your back's against the wall. Bring it to Jesus today, would you? As these pray, why don't you come and join them? I do love you. Thank you for the lesson today, and I pray for these people who are here. Lord, each one of us needs to take that next step of faith, and I pray that you'd give us the courage and help us as we do it. Help us to face that thing that we fear the most, that thing that is keeping us stuck right where we are. I pray that we would face it with faith and courage, and I pray, dear Lord, that we would never forget you have a good, acceptable, and perfect plan for our life. And I pray that through it all, we would trust you. Dear Lord, be with the needs of our church, the people who would normally be in this service, but who are not here because of sickness. I pray, dear God, that you would touch them. Please, dear Lord, I pray that you'd be with uh, Brother Don Yarbrough. Give him strength. I pray, dear God, that you'd continue to be with Maxie and Mary Sebastian. 
Dear Lord, we lift up to you Elaine Will. Please, dear God, touch her. Restore her health to her. Give her family the faith that they need to endure. Dear Lord, I pray for Robert and Frida's great grandbaby as, as he has surgery tomorrow. Just touch him and bring healing to him. Dear Lord, all the many others that we pray for every single day, touch them today, Lord. Give them hope. Help them to face the difficulties in life with faith. And I pray, dear Lord, that when we leave this building today, our faith would be fortified and strengthened and we would walk hand in hand with you, the great God who can do all things. We trust you, Lord, and we give you our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you, and you can be seated. Well, isn't the Lord good? Amen. Amen. Good deal. Got a little card I want to read as our ushers get ready for this morning's offering. Ushers, would you make ready? It says, Church family, thank you all for your prayers, donations, and help with Desiree's Closet. Uh, with your help, we were able to reach over 200 people. Not only did we give them clothes, but we shared the most important gift, God's love. Thanks to all of our church family, a very happy girl will now be attending prom with a dress from Desiree's closet. A woman who has some, com a woman has some comfort who told us uh, in this blessing uh, came at the perfect time because she is living in her car and she had nothing left. And she came to Desiree's closet and received clothes. A teenager will be attending her band recital. She was needing clothes for and so many others who have found themselves in hard times. Again, thank you for helping those in need and clothing them with God's grace, love, Desi, and Merge Ministry. I want you to give Merge Ministry a big hand for this wonderful outreach of giving clothes out. And uh, I know Dave and Christy can give uh, quite a few testimonies of, of passing out flyers and inviting people to, to Desiree's Closet. Uh, that was interesting in and of itself. Made a lot of contacts. But there's a lot of people in our community who need help, and Kavanaugh Church is doing everything we can to help them, not only with the physical needs in life, but most importantly, with spiritual needs. So give today and support this church who cares about people. Heavenly Father, would you please bless this offering? Uh, Lord, I pray that your hand would be on it. I pray that we would give out of grateful hearts and that you would take what we give, multiply it, bless it, and use it so that we can reach people for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
bless you. Again, thank you for being here. Remember all the announcements in the bulletin and that we've uh, told you about. The important thing is our kids are going to be competing today in district youth competition. It's going to be at the Greenwood Free Will Baptist Church, First Free Will Baptist Church in Greenwood, Arkansas, just 10 miles south of here. The competition starts at 3.30, so if you want to go root our kids on, you can do that. All of our other kids will be attending the district-wide youth rally. Van leaves from here at 5 o'clock, right, uh, behind our building there at the door of, of Merge Minute, or Ground Zero. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here. You know, what, you know what I'm looking forward to? As soon as you leave, I'm going to go put an IV of straight black coffee through my veins. So I can make it through this next service. But uh, 5 o'clock, the kids are going to go down there. The rest of you be here tonight for Bible study, okay? All right. Hey, I love you. God bless you. Uh, we'll see you later. Get out of here.